I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. I'm still eating cake. Welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and this is Marek Larwood. Hello, film lovers and people who have found this by accident. Welcome to yet another episode of us talking about films. It's insightful and also non-insightful at the same time. Um, what have you uh, have you been, David? All right? Yeah, I've been okay. Yes, I've been I've been fine. I guess I've been busy. I've been busy. You know, keeping busy. Um, nothing to report. Okay, well, let's get straight into the film chat. Um, All right. What did you go to see this week? I saw a film that's out in the cinema, and it's also out on demand. So I watched it from the BFI on demand, and it's £10 it cost, which is ridiculous for on demand films. It is a bit. Um, it's a French film. It's called Two Days, One Night, which the translation is... <laughs> um, today... Deux jours, une nuit. Um, it stars Madeline, uh, Ma- I say Madeline Cotillard, but it's Marion Cotillard, who you all know from Rust and Bone. Yes, and, and uh, Dark Knight Rises. And she infamously played, um, she won an Oscar. Oh, is she? Uh, playing Edith Piaf. Yes, in La Vie en Rose. I've still not seen that. She's Have you seen it? it? I saw bits of it a while back, but I think I was drunk at the time. Okay. And that is the sort of insights you get from our podcast. Um, it's directed by the Darden brothers. Um, I've seen one of the other films called The Kid with a Bike, which is about a woman who sort of adopts this difficult kid. It was quite boring. They're known for their hyper-realistic style. So, the story of this film is is that Marion uh, Cotillard is a... A mother of two children and with her husband they're very poor they live in a sort of poor sort of suburbs of an area of France she's had a problem with depression so she's been unable to go to her her work uh, but they're, because they're quite poor they need their payments to pay for the mortgage and she finds out from a co-worker that the boss has told um, all the other employees there's about 12 employees that either they can have a, a thousand euro bonus and she gets laid off ah. or she keeps her job and they're not allowed her bonus okay not allowed that bonus um, so the story is her going round to all of the co-workers which she's had different relationships with and pleading with them to 
allow her to continue in her job and not and sacrifice the bonus and she needs to get the 12 votes so it's been likened to in terms of the premise like 12 angry men the courtroom scene where yeah. they've got to persuade when the one guy might get to persuade the whole court to get majority to well, it's going to be all of them isn't it for the, for the 12 angry men so similar to that she needs to get 7 people to vote for her in the vote so she persuades her boss to have a re-vote so is it a sort of character odyssey really where you get to see these 12 different colourful characters or well I have numerous problems with this film and for once for regular listeners I'm a big uh, I'm a big lover of, a, of French films yeah a Francophile yes um, loves Franco and this is the one exception I thought that it was terrible firstly what sort of boss would say to their employees mm. I'm going to give you a thousand euros or this person gets the sack and make it if, if a well, boss did that to Willy Wonka people, maybe would do it but yeah, <laughs> not in real life it's such a crazy and it, if it happened in the workplace it would destroy the whole morale you think well I'm not going to work for you if you're offering me money almost bribing me or saying suck this person you don't put people in that position you just say I'm letting that person off yeah. you don't put it to a vote well you're, you're making it your workforce's problem whether, yes. whether this person is fired or not it absolutely doesn't make sense the whole premise does not make sense that's a shame and for that ruined a film in a way for me because because Marion Cotillard is fantastic I think well, I she, thought in Rust and Bone she was amazing she's a, uh, on the upside I'll go to the I'll talk about her okay she's a phenomenal actress yeah she's got one of those faces I don't know she's, she's beautiful and she's got those eyes which you can look at I mean you can just forever what are they called when what's a, what a nice word for expression for saying um what you've got you can get lost in her eyes that's, sort of thing. that's the cliche yeah yeah um so she's very very watchable and the performance is very very realistic so if, here we go is he going to stop barking oh there's a postman arriving no, buddy's just checking out the post so it's her, her acting performance is so good it's just watching like someone in real life it's totally believable and there is my second problem is that that there's known these two brothers are making these very very realistic sort of um, slices of life yes and people have raved about it like I was reading this Peter Bradshaw's uh, who's a journalist in The Guardian gave it five stars and said it was you know in- incredible bit of filmmaking it was it's boring oh that's it a is shame. boring and you love French films I love French films all she does is just go around people's houses it's like following me around the camera going around someone's house saying oh he's um he's burying <laughs> Someone opens the door. Oh no, he's at the uh, cafe. I'll go down to the cafe then. Uh, Barry, can I talk to you? Yeah. I um, I was wondering whether you whether you would vote for me in the secret ballot I've managed to persuade him to do on Monday to keep my job. Hmm. I feel really sorry for you, but I need the money because I'm poor. Uh, okay then. Well, I'll see what I can do. Bye. Next house. Bing bong. Hello, is Jules in? No, he's down at the football training ground. Okay. <laughs> I would say, from a script editing point of view, you could cut all of those uh, is Jules in bits and just have Jules be in. That would save some time. But then it? it would just be knocking on people's ha- I think it's trying to get different locations. Okay. Well, what if uh, they get a text message saying Jules is at the training ground? You know, and then they can just go straight there. She hasn't got all their numbers, so that that's a, that's the a sort of gets around the the phone dome we have of okay. being able to call people. Okay, that she has to go around people's houses. Well, and, it sounds tedious. 
it was remarkably tedious. And I'm not a, a, a fan of reality TV. I think it's terrible. But if this was a reality television show, that would be far more interesting. Yeah. Because what's the point of making a film that's so realistic that it feels like a reality show? And it's as boring as real life. <laughs> and it is boring. It's the, the, there's no real drama. The characters in the you don't get to know any of these other characters because she's just going around ringing on their doorbell and they're just appearing for two minutes. And some she doesn't like, and some don't feel sorry for her, and some support her. And she does it about ten times. And then they go and oh, sorry for these spoilers. Then she, she just um, arrives at the workplace, which is a fairly rubbish job, and they have a secret ballot. Okay. That's pretty much the film. And as a result. So there's tension there. They've built it up over 12... She is the single reason to watch this film. Okay. She's a brilliant actress. And I think you could just have Marion Cotillard, you know, having a running a shoe shop. And I say, OK, Marion, I just want you to... Serve good at that. Serve different customers, and but in the back room, you've got someone tied up being kidnapped in the room, you're holding hostage, and you're not the real shoe shop owner. And just improvise it. That would be a better film. I think you're in such safe hands of her. She's a remarkable actress who you put on screen and then you don't need to worry because she's always going to make anything... She's yeah. innately watchable. This film is dull and people like Peter Bradshaw banging on about how great it is. Were you watching the same thing as me? Because it is so boring. It reminded me of a terrible version of The Bicycle Thieves which we watched recently. Yeah, yeah. Which, when, which was a 1930s um, Italian film. Italian neorealistic cinema. Yes, where you, the dad and the son try and find his bike and they visit all these places. Yeah. Whether that's it sounds more, very like that. Whether, yeah, it's the same sort of premise. Whether that's more interesting because we're watching now from a different age, so it seems we watch all the 90... It seems yes. you watch all the footage, old footage... Well, there's more, there's more to engage with because you don't see this stuff every day. Like, you see Gilles every yeah, day, yeah. don't you? you? You see doorbells and yes. you see training grounds every day. So... Um, yeah, oh, that, that's disappointing. I didn't get it at all, and people have raved about it. Uh, I was disappointed. I watched it with my girlfriend, and she says it's really boring. She was, she thought the same thing. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's uh, interesting. This two brothers sharing a job thing, isn't it? It seems to crop up every now and again with film directors. Cohen brothers. Cohen brothers. Wachowski used to be brothers when they directed the Matrix films. Um, uh, yeah, would you would you direct anything with your brother, one of your brothers? No. Why? Because I've got two brothers, um, and the other one would feel left out. Yes. <laughs> would you? Why not three? Oh, I wonder how I do if they both start directing things together <laughs> and they left me out. They didn't cast you. In. But they didn't mention it to me at all. <laughs> oh, we're sitting around the Christmas table. Oh, we've started directing films. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, but I thought. Um, I thought the film business was was my thing. No, 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 no. no. We've started doing it. We, we've done we've done um, really dull films about a garden centre on the Isle of Wight, <laughs> and uh, Peter Bradshaw from the Guardian's given it five stars, five stars, and said it's like uh, it's the equivalent of when the wind blows. And <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, your friend David's in it actually, um, uh, as is your girlfriend and all of your friends. <laughs> That would be a disturbing thing to do. Make a film about someone, their life. It's almost like the uh, the famous Christmas one when he forgets. Uh, what oh. like what? Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, but they're making a film about your life without you in it. And then the final scene is them telling you and you watching it. 
Yes. That's a movie right there. It's incredible how easy it is to make these films. The oh, and we've films. just given it out to free. Yeah. For free to uh, to people who, you know, they're too lazy to go and do something. They're just listening to a podcast, so none of them are ever going to do it. My question to you, David, is yeah. on the back of this film and to our millions of listeners, have you ever watched a, f- a film that has been universally applauded by the critics and you think, I just do not get this film? I have no... Ooh. Um, that's a good question. Because um, was Barbarian, Barbarian Sound Studio, which Mark Commode had his film of the year, which I watched it, and I thought that was just tedious as well. Oh, now that you you put me on the spot there, because I've I I've I've definitely felt that before, but I can't recall any off the top of my head. The the only one I can think of is television, which is Seinfeld, which I don't get at all, and it's heralded as the greatest comedy of all time. And I watch it, I go. I can't even analytically work out what's supposed to be funny here. I don't get it. It's just people talking. Is all it is. But you feel a bit odd with humanity. Yeah, you just go, what am I missing here? This must be my fault. Walking into the Matrix and thinking, oh, this is not... um, There's some sort of numbers missing here. This doesn't work out. Yeah, yeah. Um, No, uh, oh, uh, actually, probably, you know, things like the Avengers and stuff. I just... I didn't think was very strong at all. Um... I thought it was sort of rubbish. Um, it's usually ones with rubbish stories, actually, that other people love the little bits and pieces and don't really yeah. care about the story. But uh, so I give it four marics. Do not spend ten pounds downloading this from the uh, BFI. There's a curve. there's a recommendation for you. Um, go and see a better Marion Cotillard film instead. I'm going to blow my nose now. Do, Apologies. Do it's been it. it's been a cornucopia of noises this episode so far. Uh, it started with me eating cake and it's carried on like that. Um, yeah. Well, um, better French films next time, hopefully. If you want to write in and tell us about your um, experience, film experiences, please do. You can do so in the following ways. You can email us dearfilmfandango at gmail dot com, or you can write on our Facebook wall and talk to one another for facebook.com forward slash film fandango or you can tweet us at film fandango or at mr david reed or at marrick larwood um and i may as well mention it now we do all of this for free so uh if you would like to donate towards our running costs so we can continue to do it for free then please go to filmfandango.co.uk and follow the link from there and to everyone who has cheers mate not mate thank you people thank you people that's the polite thing to say isn't it yeah thank you people I tell you what what it's time for the middle section woo do we have one yeah Yeah. fine yeah okay we're going to talk about uh, soundtracks okay yep movie soundtracks so I thought of uh, a lot of people say Merrick what are your favourite movie soundtracks no one said to me (laughs) I was in the pub the other night and talking about listening to music and um how, as I've got older, I find myself listening to a lot more classical music and a lot more film soundtracks. Yeah. Because I don't want to hear people talking. Fair enough. What's wrong, buddy? He's heard a dog. Um, so I just my iPod's become full of uh, film soundtracks. So I just thought I'd go through my favourite five film soundtracks. Do it. Have you got any... Um... I can't do a, a favourite five. I, di- I didn't 
the the game was ill defined beforehand, but I, I can talk about film soundtracks. Okay. Uh, well, go through your five, and then we'll see what happens. Well, at number five is um, a soundtrack uh, by a famous soundtrack maker, <laughs> <laughs> famous composer. Ennio Morricone. Oh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, that's not, what I was going to talk about. It's not about. that one. It's, not, oh, that it's one. not that one. It's I'm picking. I'm not picking soundtracks. I'm picking my favourite songs from my ah. favourite individual songs. I should be clear on that. Um, so it was going to be close. So I had to pick one of his. Uh, either the mission, which I almost picked. I love the mission soundtrack. As in that the theme. As in the theme uh, mission. Blah 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 blah. What is it, how's it, it going again? It's a lot of pan pipes. It is. Do, 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 do. It's what, beautiful pre- though. It is beautiful. I, we we can recreate them by singing them. That's fine. That's we can't play. I looked at playing clips, and I don't know if we've got a license to play clips or whatever. So we're just gonna. I can, you can write these into YouTube and see what you think. Um, that almost got in, but instead oh. I picked um, uh, the strength uh, of the righteous. What is that? Which is the main title theme for The Untouchables. Ah, yes, yes. Remind me. That one. That one. It's great. It's great. Which is sort of made famous, I think. Is that Ennio Morricone as well? Yes. Wow. Um, He's done a lot of good stuff. uh, That's made famous by the infamous scene in the station where... They come down the prams, I think. Yeah, it? the recreation of the battleship Potemkin. Yeah. Yes, which is wonderful. That is my number five. So please look up and see if you you enjoy that. Uh, number four, I've gone for David Shire, who's also uh, composed many beautiful soundtracks. And I do like All the President's Men, which is one called Creep, I think, from that, which is great. But instead of that, I picked the main theme from The Conversation. Yes. Which is a very simple piano bit. Do it for us now. It sounds like I can't really... Listen, I'm not musically inclined. But look up the theme from The Conversation by David Shire. It is very good. A really uh, melancholic bit of piano playing and very, very simple. Brilliant film as well. Wonderful film. And I think that he did that in between The Godfather and... Apocalypse Now and it's sort of like his lost yeah, it's yeah. not lost but I think it's not considered in the same ilk as those by a lot of it is a bit of a crime that Enemy of the State is more famous as a film but it's yeah. it's, it's, it's you know it's good in its own way it's a completely different genre but um, yes number three is from the Moon soundtrack which is one of my favourite films uh, by Clint Mansell and it's called Welcome to Lunar Industries which is a very haunting uh, soundtrack and after this Clint Mansell went on to do he did he's done like what Requiem from a Dream as oh, well yeah. um, he was the former lead singer of A Pop Will Eat Itself oh yeah uh, what else has he done recently that's quite big he's in The Wrestler um, Noah Stoker he's done quite a lot of Black Swan so lots of sort of uh, psychologically Cerebrally, sort of thing. Yeah, I think he's great. How's the moon one go? I can't. <laughs> Is it impossible? It doesn't I'm not really have do a it melody. I feel as though I'm embarrassing myself. No, and this no, sounds no. like one of these podcasts where I listen back to it and really start to hate myself. Does that happen a lot? Yeah, oh, no. Right, okay. Um, that's number three. Number two, I know you're all getting pretty excited by this. Number two is Anthem Part Two, 
which was originally now, which is the music from the Truman Show. Okay. Yeah. When he and uh, made by um, Philip Glass, who is a fantastic composer. Yes. It was actually on one of his albums before. And I think they took this off this and put it onto uh, uh, the Truman Show um, soundtrack. So I'm not sure if it's legitimately made for the the film itself. And the moment when he's, uh, I think I just say spoilers of the Truman Show, where he starts to discover that things are going. We're, yes. We're in the town and people are moving around the same way and the same cars are coming through and it's that moment of his brain discovering it which has captured the music you think it was written for that piece because yes. it feel, f- feels perfect and number one I think it's a very simplistic um, piece by Hans Zimmer who's done loads of famous film soundtracks huge number is Time from Inception and Inception oh the Inception work. album Work is uh, it that one? No, it's a it's really gentle. Oh, okay. It's uh, it's not the main work theme. Not it? the work one. Work, but it's a brilliant soundtrack. So have a listen to all of those, and please send in any great soundtracks you think. Ones that almost got there. I think Drive as a whole yeah. album and the whole soundtrack is brilliant. These they're my favourite individual songs uh, from soundtracks. I, I hope that was moderately interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, it, I, I, I agree. There's so many as well that you go, oh, yes, yeah, that was amazing. Because um, in terms of sound in films generally, I think it, it, it it's considered a visual medium, but sound does so much of the work in terms of tying images together so it feels like a continuous thing. And the music on top of that does so much of the atmosphere, where uh, there are YouTube examples of people putting different songs over famous scenes, and it feels utterly different, you know? There's a... um, uh, I've mentioned it before, and I will try and find it, because we actually had somebody asking on, um, I think, Facebook about it. But where someone's made Star Wars look like a seventies cop show, and uh, it all it takes is the music and picking of shots. They've not changed the stock or anything, and you just go, oh, it looks exactly the same. But um, the 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 old maxim that if you can have crappy quality pictures, um, it, as long as your soundtrack is good, and that then looks like a stylistic choice. If you have a crappy quality soundtrack and good pictures, it looks like amateurs. I, and and it's just that shows just how important the sound of it is. Like I I I, I thought about this a bit, and it's like the ones that have stuck that stuck out in my head initially. Uh, Ennio Morricone as well. Just just so many iconic themes, but mm. the good, the bad, and the ugly. I thought was one that was absolutely fantastic. You know the whole oh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Just like coming up with that is and stick it in that you know dust bowl atmosphere and those visuals and it just works when the two just work so well together the other one being um vangelis's theme for blade runner like it's so weird the music but it it is rainy neon you know future la it just the, the images go with the music so well another one uh, it's great i should have probably mentioned is, is um Sus- suspiria goblin the soundtrack to that which oh, is, yeah. it is has got sound I, can't, I don't know what the instrument is but it's such an unusual sound it's so disconcerting maybe it's a great way of trying out new sounds because you're trying to find these moods from the film you've already got the mood so you're trying to find these weird instruments to to make the film yeah, yeah. to replicate what's going on in the film but I find if you're having a really mundane boring life which a lot of my life is travelling on uh, travelling on the tube yeah 
certain things that what listening to the Untouchables theme, the uh, Strength of Righteous on the Shrit Tube, suddenly makes it more exciting. So it feels like your journey, you're heading towards peril, especially and if you're, you're a really important person. Especially if you're late and you want to walk up the escalator, uh, you have to run up the escalator. Yeah, put that on, and it seems like you're in a film. It's a lot easier. Well, that's basically what jogging is. Jogging is one of the most boring things you could ever do, but stick on a soundtrack and it's like you're you're running away from something or towards something. You are an important person doing an important thing. But I just listen to sound wider. I'm just soundtracks rather than songs. No, that's not. But I mean, the, but the two overlap, obviously. I mean, it's. Um, uh, I think Tarantino probably should get honourable mention that his stuff isn't usually scored, not in the same way. But my God, he's good at picking songs that um, work really well with his films and are sort of either forgotten classics or hidden gems that people didn't know about and he makes them popular. I mean, Reservoir Dogs does it brilliantly. Yeah. Pulp Fiction does it better. And then actually Jackie Brown has a fantastic soundtrack. It's just a we- less well-known film. But the Kill Bill, the main music from yeah, that, is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And just, he, he must have such an encyclopedic knowledge of like music from decades past to be able to draw on and just go yeah that bit of music is what this is all about well I heard he actually writes whilst listening to the song he has in mind that's what I think it must really well, I'd be interested to see what, what bits of film what short film has been written for the actual songs yeah I know there must be loads of examples of these but and then they can't get that song so they have to get their mate to do something rubbish on a keyboard that's slightly worse slightly worse than it yeah 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 so have you seen the film, David? Oh, I've, I've seen the film, mate, yeah. Um, I uh, have wanted to see this film for a while. I've finally found uh, found it. Um, Flash Dance. Flash Dance. Have you heard of it? No, it's not that. It's about a welder. Um, no, I saw a film called uh, Calvary. That's what Paul Litchfield talked about the other week. Yes, he mentioned it, yeah. Brendan Gleeson, right? Brendan Gleeson. And it's um, uh, the second film he's done with uh, the director and writer... Um, who is John Michael McDonough? Uh, so this is a, what is it? The first one they did, The Guard. Is the oh, first I enjoyed one. that, and the, it's uh, apparently going to be part of a sort of unrelated in terms of characters, but trilogy of films because there's a theme, and I won't tell you the theme because it might spoil things. But uh, yes, The Guard, which I think is brilliant, and uh, Calvary is this latest one. Um, Brendan Gleeson plays a priest. Um, on a, uh, uh, a Irish island, I think it's on an island. Certainly feels that way from the the cinematography. Uh, it might be on the mainland though. And um, uh, in the opening scene, someone comes into his confessional and says that he was uh, molested as a child uh, for years by a priest who is now dead. So there's nothing he can do about it. And so. Because uh, the priesthood took his innocence, he is going to kill this priest because he knows this priest hasn't done anything wrong. But he's going to kill him a week on Sunday, and he tells him where he's going to kill him, and that's the setup. And so the rest is this priest and what he does and going about his business. Is and that a believable? We're going back to the first one we talked about. Is that yeah. a believable setup? It's it's a it's a hyper real setup, but it, in the context of this film, it works. Yeah. Um, in fact, my only criticism of this film would be sometimes the script feels a little like it's in the head of the writer and not in the mouths of the performers, if you know what I mean. Always put it in a performer's mouth. Stick it right in their gobs. 
Um, it's uh, what I mean by that is a lot of the characters uh, use quite uh, they use similar vocabulary to one another, and you could and it's quite um, writery vocabulary. You know, I would say getting close to pretentious, but never quite hitting it. But and and so you can sort of pass it off as oh they're Irish they're all lyrical and poetic possibly it's the tiniest of niggles and it doesn't spoil the film at all I thought this was brilliant really really, really good really good Brendan Gleeson uh, is so good and so watchable and I I loved him in In Bruges um, and The Guard as I said he's been in so many other films where he's sort of you know he's that guy in that thing he's a sort of rugged. Know. Irish guy, you get into add a bit of flavour. He's he's tall, he's broad-shouldered, you know. He's sort of like a uh, sort of aging muscle is his sort of thing. So he plays Mad Eye Moody in the Harry Potter films, and he's um, he he plays a th- a sort of thug in Gangs of New York, which is terrible. Um, he's he's all over the place. He's in everything, but as a lead, he has so much going on in his face, in his eyes, and he he, he is incredibly charismatic. It's great we've got people like him, yeah, you know, rather than the chiselled normal leading men. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and he and the supporting cast is excellent as well. It's you know sort of who's who of Irish talent at the moment, really. So who is? Um, well, it's got um, uh, Chris O'Dowd is in it in a straight role, and he's very very good. Um, it's got uh, Donald Gleeson has a cameo scene. Brendan Gleeson's son, who we've talked about in Frank and um, in Time, was it called? Yeah. Um, who's a sort of rising star. He's very good in this, again, in a straight role. Um, Dylan Moran is in this. Oh, really? Um, yeah, again, very good. Um, the, the one funny thing about it is, basically the entire film is this priest who is a good man, but not in a sort of uh, lame way. He's a genuine, kind person who has, you know, it lives in a world that is pretty dark and nasty and not very nice. Why doesn't he just call the police? Um... Uh, he difficult to say. Difficult to say. Uh, it's Today, you have no... to watch it. There, there is a reason. Um, it, there's no signal. No, it, it's not <laughs> that. It makes sense. It's it's about who he is, um, and his own integrity is why he doesn't call the police. It, it works. It's very it's very good, um, but because it is you know sort of one good man in a small irish community with lots of um panning shots of uh, irish fields and the sea and stuff and uh, everyone is sort of rotten in their own unique way around him and you really feel like you're sinking in the mire of god you know humanity's awful isn't it and you you he is elevated in your estimation as a result because he's trying to you know Remain good in it, but is it, a it feels like it, it's 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 not a comedy. It's a thriller. Yeah, Dr- drama. Or it's psych- it's psychological, really. I'd say it's a psychological drama or thriller. But um, there is comparisons, weirdly, uh, just as a fun thing with it being sort of like a dark version of Father Ted, where okay. there's all these people, you know, who all are weird and strange, and he's there on the island trying to. Uh, Trying to keep his head above. Sounds like he should have moved away a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 very good. It is very good. In fact, I kept looking at it and going, I think the barman is the actor who played uh, Tom, the uh, the guy with the shotgun who shoots a crow with the T-shirt that says "I shot Jr." on it in Father Ted. I never really watched that. Uh, oh, okay. 
Uh, anyway, I think it's him. I might be wrong about that. Um, yes, no, this is this is well worth watching. And if you like The Guard, then you should you should catch it as well. I must what I must watch that. Did you like The Guard? I did like it. Good, good. A non-conventional uh, thriller. I like thrillers where the lead isn't the normal boring person who we're supposed to assume can do all of this stuff because they're handsome, mm. you know? Whereas as soon as someone isn't handsome, you start to actually feel the jeopardy about everything they're doing again. Because you go, oh, I'm not, I'm not so sure what's going to happen in this outcome. Yeah. Here. You know? Um, no, well worth watching. And it's only... This writer-director, um, this is only the second film he's directed, and The Guard was the first one. Wow. Um, he's written films before. He wrote Ned Kelly which oh, okay. um, I haven't seen. No, me neither. But, um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to his third one now. Superb. How many Davids? You know, I think it's I think it's going to be a nine. Wow. Yeah, I really liked it. That's a lot of Davids. That's a hell of a lot of Davids. Can you imagine how many of those Davids would be? It'd be a bit much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. All right. Well, uh, yes... There's uh, a good film for you and a bad film for you. So uh, a four and a nine. See you next time. Yeah, see you next week. Keep Keep watching watching the the films. films. Bye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.